Thank you, Lord. It's all uphill from here, man. That's right. It's all uphill from here. All right, Mr. Cole. Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the joy it is to fellowship with you and with one another in this day and as we worship you and put you first in our lives. And we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you you do as you wish. Mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, and, and we just we just honor you and, and thank you that you're always faithful and true to your word and to us. In Christ's name, amen. 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 I guess it should be downhill. Thank you, Lord. Easy. Yeah, easier. That's right. That's right. Uphill is only good in the stock market. That's though. right. <laughs> All right. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7. And we left off with uh, verse 3 last week. So, verse 3, He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, He continues a priest forever. So, as I, as I shared last week, in Hebrews 7, this is the meat of what this epistle is about. Um, that all these things we're building up for this, this revelation in the book of Hebrews to begin to talk about Jesus, a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and what that means for us as his body. Okay? So, the comparative being used is this figure in the Old Testament, Melchizedek. Mel is king. Kizedek, Sikenu, is righteousness. He's also the king of Salem. So he is the king of peace, and he is the king of Salem. And I shared briefly last week, and if you if you want um, great areas to study, hey, Denise, blessings. Uh, there are redemptive names, uh, covenant names, that the Father shared of himself in the Old Testament. Uh, we're familiar with them, like Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, that is Yahweh Roi, I believe. The Lord is my healer, Yahweh Rapha, okay? Yahweh Sikino and Yahweh Shalom are two of the redemptive names of our covenant-keeping God, of which Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the King of Peace, He is the King of Righteousness. As we shared last week, He's not just a priest, He's a king. He administrates justly and righteously. Righteousness uh, is being in right relation. That's the essence of it. When you're righteous, you're in right relationship with God. God has placed us in right relationship with Him. Okay? So, as we look into Melchizedek, the writer of Hebrews begins to unpack his argument. He is trying to convince Jewish believers in Christ of the efficacy of Christ above and beyond the law. So, we have the blessing of thousands of years of a New Testament revelation. 
So this thought experiment that comes is simply a heart check, a, a place so that you can kind of perhaps put yourself in the shoes of the people receiving this letter. Let us suppose, let us suppose that the Quran or the Book of Mormon were actually Holy Spirit inspired scripts. They're not. But let's suppose they were. How'd you feel about that? If someone was using the Quran or the Book of Mormon to try to teach you about the New Testament, there would be some cognitive issues with that. There would be some resistance. You know, in terms of we have some new revelation. Here's the beauty of the Word of God. That new revelation is new in what it reveals of what God already said. Uh, I'm fond of saying that in the Old Testament the prophets wrote books, in the New Testament they wrote Mark magazine articles about the books in the Old Testament. Okay, they wrote commentary notes and letters to each other. This is this God is inspired, yeah. This is correspondence. It's not a text message. It's not an email. It's a letter. Uh, back in the day, we used to sit down with paper and we'd write to people and put it in an envelope and then. We'd put a little stamp on it, and they'd carry it across the world, and we'd wait days and days and days to see if they got it. They, they now call that snail mail. Right? Anyhow, it's a letter, right? So he begins to unpack this analogy of why Christ's priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood through Aaron. Now we've we've gone through and and this this epistle is illustrated that he's above angels, that he's above Moses. <laughs> you know, we keep going on and above because Hebrews is about the better. It's about the better hope, the better covenant, the better priest. So verse four. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers. Though <clears throat> there also are, they also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Note the choice of words. The Levites do what? They have a commandment to... No? They have a commandment to take tithes. The Levites have a commandment, a law, to... Take tithes. Melchizedek received tithes. You have the differential between a free will offering and principle. I mean, the tithe is a principle, so I don't want to be misunderstood. But there is this differentiation between a free will offering. Abraham was not constrained to give up a tenth of the spoil. 
but he did. But the law, as a commandment for the, Levit the Le Levitical priests to take a tenth. Now, I'm going to digress on the tithe for a bit. So I'll do my harangue now, and then, Lord willing, we can, we can look at Scripture and, and unpack some of the principle of the tithe. The principle of the tithe is a subset in the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow, <laughs> you reap later than you sow, and if God is blessing you, you reap more than you sow. If you don't sow seed, if you don't plant, do you expect to get anything out of your garden? No. No. Okay? So, imagine you have nice property and a nice yard and a nice flower bed or garden bed and there's dirt and the whole bit and that is supposed to feed you. And every time you go out there, there's nothing. And you complain. I'm hungry. I'm short on food. I don't have enough to eat. All we have are, you know, popcorn. It's all we got is popcorn. We eat all the popcorn and we're starving. Would you think about taking some of that corn and planting it so you can have at least corn on the cob? Well, I can't do that. I have just enough corn to pop so we can all eat popcorn. If you don't sow, Don't expect to reap. But that's the greater principle. The tithe, well, we'll unpack that some. But here's what the church has done for centuries with regard to the tithe. And it has carried the commandment of the law to take tithes to the extreme. In, uh, in the Catholic system, you know, part, part of the great attraction for Irishmen to move in mass out of Ireland, aside from the fact that the potatoes were dying, um, and, and come to America where they had a social status that was in many degrees lesser than Chinamen and lesser than black people at the time, you know, Irish need not apply, was because if they could ever secure a job, there wasn't a mandatory parish priest taking a tenth of their wages away. Taking. Taking. I have, uh, in, in the early days of my preaching life, because this is the way I was instructed, here's how the lesson went. Oh yeah, Christ fulfilled the law. So, you're free from the law. But the tithe isn't part of the Mosaic Law. You see, Abraham's before Moses, and Abraham did tithes. So you're not, you're not giving. You're not sowing anything until you've given what God owns. God owns the tenth. And if you don't give Him a tenth, no blessing. Nothing coming your way. And then we jump into uh, Malachi, you're robbing from God, it's before the, you know, and all this uh, abuse 
If you gave God what belongs to Him, how much would you give Him? Oh, everything. <laughs> so the the financial spiritual abuse based on the commandment engenders death. Understanding the blessing of God, which is first principle, be fruitful. And multiply. and multiply is the blessing. God planted a garden in Eden. He called all the trees forth, called all the animals forth, had them reproduce after their kind. The blessing of God is still working beyond his curse of the ground because of man's sin. The ground doesn't produce thorns and thistles because the devil made it bad. Who cursed the ground? God cursed the ground. Well, if God curses something, who can reverse it? God can. So, what he did was, is he made pathways available for you to remain in the blessing he first spoke. Okay? So, that's a, that's a bit of a digression. These tithes, the Levites had a commandment to tithe. But Abraham gave. Uh, in the epistle to the Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and says, give as you can, give willingly, because God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. So, as in all things, in, in Christ Jesus, the Spirit-driven life is freer and more abundant in both the do's and do-nots. See, the law has a do-not. Thou shalt not murder. What's the do in Christ? Raise the dead. Now, that's pretty diametrically opposed, is it not? Between don't murder someone and raise someone from the dead. Give them life. Right? Um, love versus hate. How about... That's even in degrees. Thou shalt not murder... Well, I'm telling you, don't be angry. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't lust. Okay? So, even when you're in this place, and again, Lord willing, we can unpack this principle of the tithe, because I think it's powerful, and I think it does put you in a place where you can walk in that blessing. It's like Sabbath. Hi, Sabbath. It's like Sabbath. You know, you can, you can decide not to enjoy a day of rest with your Lord and be haggard. Or you can receive the gift He gave you because the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You weren't made to serve the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was made so you can, you know, chill out with God. <laughs> Hang out with your daddy. Okay? 
So you can avoid that and not receive the blessing. That's all. So Melchizedek blessed he who had the promises. The Levites, the Israelites, had the commandment. But Abraham had the promise. Now, one strong way of differentiating the commandment from the promise is the commandment has a tone of thou shalt not. The promise has a tone of I will bless. You see it? It's just Abraham had the promise, right? Genesis 12. It takes off in Genesis 12. Well, well you can find it in 12. You know, right? um, let's see. Well, we can go all the way to 15. No, 12 is good. We'll start there. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will make. Thou shalt not. I will make. The commandment versus the promise. You are an inheritor of the promise. The promise. Okay? And hang on to that for a minute. I promise it won't take long. Really. See what I did there, Joey? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Good. All right. Um, chapter 15. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth from thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Oh, Helen's there. I'm sorry. Admit. Boom. You there, Alan? Sorry. There we go. Um, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, he counted him for righteousness. Um, and then 22... And verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, saying, and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee. <clears throat> and I see it, he says, stars of heaven, so on and so forth. Okay? Alright, so, the law. What are the two great commandments? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Alright. Love the Lord. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon all these hang all upon these hang all the law and prophets. Right? Love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? So now let's just walk through the commandment real quick. Exodus 20. So so we don't think I'm on a bunny trail, because I might be. This is an illustration of the difference between the promise and the command, okay? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Alright. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? That's the first one. So, the, the, the first great commandment is love God, Lord, heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first tablet of the law. I'm going to look, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? Thou shalt not make thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All these commandments deal with your relationship to who? God. To God. I'm so excited. Because oh I'm just sitting there reading this commandment and we're talking about things. and Jesus is just awesome. The commandment versus the promise. Fifth commandment. What is it? Honor. Honor. Father, mother. Father and mother. That it may go well with thee. Right? And thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Okay? I call this a transitional commandment because it deals with human relationship, which is the vertical command, love your neighbor as yourself, but it's God's vehicle to train us in our vertical. Loving God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. Honor your father and mother. So at the fifth commandment, he begins to break into the second chamber of your heart. Two tables of stone, Two, two portions of the heart. His law is inscribed on our heart. Okay? So we're at the fifth commandment. Then we get into fine-tuning what we want to call human relations 101. How to get along with people. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Okay? All these deal with Love your neighbor as yourself. You understand? This is why. Okay? Alright? Now, see if I can find this in, in Ephesians. Um, no, it's, it's Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Now, you hanging on with me? Commandment versus promise. Abraham did what with Melchizedek? He did what? Gave him. He gave him. What did he give him though? A gift. A portion of it. What was the portion? A tenth. Abraham gave him. I told you the tithe was a principle. Abraham gave him a tenth. The Levites have a commandment to take the tithe. Abraham gave the tithe, 
and he was blessed. Now remember, the blessing came before the tithe. Oh, right. Melchizedek came with, with bread and wine. He blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoil in response to the blessing. You see how, you see how different that is from this I'm bound by the law, I'm robbing from God unless I... It's a heart thing. It's like it's, you, you give because you have to versus you give because you get to. Amen. Amen. It's a, it's a response to his love as opposed to a All right. response to the and law. And isn't that how we should treat others? Yes. Now you ready for this? Because this is just... You're that was like... Easy, Michelle. You're easy to <laughs> <laughs> This one just came. So you ready for this? Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. What's the rest of the verse? That it will go well, well with you, you, and that you will live long in the land. Well, you know that well, Bob. Yes, good. That's good. But in Ephesians 6, what's the next part of the verse? It's the first commandment with a promise. Yeah, first commandment with a promise. Yeah. It's the what? First, first commandment with a promise. promise. It's the only commandment with a promise. Ten commandments, one of them has a promise. A tithe of the commandment is a promise. Mm. Mm. Hello. Oh, I don't get it. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, it just went, and I'm like, I can't, I missed it. Okay, ten commandments. The fifth commandment has a promise. Out of ten commandments, no other gods, no graven images. Keep things holy. Don't take my name in vain. Don't kill each other. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. Out of all that, one of them has promise. Mm -hmm. One commandment so has that's promise. Like it's tied. That's like it's ten. Oh, one ten. One ten. Mm -hmm. Take commandments. One of them. One of them has promise. That's part. Yeah. So. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it just means God. God loves connecting things together. He will squirrel away. I was talking to a young man at work the other day, and he's like, what is it with the Bible in three days? I well. <laughs> Did you really just ask me that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. How many years? Yeah. Okay, so, so God just loves, remember, prophecy is pattern, and He loves showing these things to us, and... When we get to the end of this, you're going to go, oh yeah, we knew that. But God likes to say things, you know, here's the truth. I'm going to tell it to you this way. I'm going to tell it to you this way. I'm going to tell it to you this way. I'm going to... I want you to get it. I want you to understand. We are so... Um, we are so bound to the sin of religion that we miss the grace of blessing. can't be that easy. It can't be by... I gotta, I gotta earn it, don't I? It is. It is. Yeah, I, I believe and have for forty years now um, that in order to do a teaching, there was a requirement to, I mean, due diligence, like. Study, write it down. If I didn't have notes typed up and, and if I didn't have, you know, a PowerPoint in the whole bit and, and didn't, you know, I mean, then I didn't have it. 
That's earning it. Okay? So, it's not that that kind of study is unimportant. It's, it's very, I mean, there, there, there have been multiple occasions where, you know, I, I just haven't slept. You know, work, come home, study, the sun comes up, go to church, teach at church, come home, teach church, go to bed. You know, but the Lord's here in His grace, and if I am in Him and He's in me, then I should be apt to teach. Amen. If I teach in prayer and teach in grace, I give you life. If all I do is teach in intellectual study, I give you facts. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So, we're talking about being bound to religion versus the grace and the promise. It's a, it's a daily thing. I deal with that daily. I deal with it today. I'm like, well, I went to back. I could have stayed up till 2, 3 o'clock last night. I could have stayed at my desk longer. I could have maybe gotten up earlier. Maybe I could have left the job earlier. Maybe... No. It's by His grace in me. Okay? Now that doesn't mean that you don't read your Bible. And it, you know, this, is, this is all predicated on being in. So that's just, a, that's, that's just an illustration for my life. But it's the same in, in, in you know, when you are um, witnessing Christ. You know, if you've set apart Christ as Lord in your heart, that you'll be ready to you'll be ready to share why you have hope. You know, it doesn't hurt maybe to be trained in, as an evangelist, but you don't have to go to a five-week seminar to share Christ. All you need to do is know Jesus and tell people about your relationship with Him. Make sense? Okay. So that's the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother. So, here we have Abraham who received the promises, received the blessing. Okay? So we're back in Hebrews. And verse 6. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Verse 7. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, in the other, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. And remember, Melchizedek is, is a type of Christ in that there is, he, he, you know, he just kind of like this, does this, this your backstage, okay? So, there's all this stuff going on in Scripture, Anna, and, and, well, no, out there, because you're backstage. And then, now, this it, it just goes, ta-da! The character's not introduced. Um, there's, I mean, nothing. He just shows up. Now, no ancestry or nothing. No ancestry, no pedigree, no history, no record of his, I mean, have you read the Bible? You know? Have you read have you read 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles? There's a lot of front and end of life. 
Did, did you read all the genealogies in Genesis? And then he died, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died, and, and, he and you know, he was begat, 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 died, 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 Melchizedek. No begat, no died. So as far as Scripture is concerned, Melchizedek lives forever. Did the actual Melchizedek that blessed Abraham live forever? No. He's a type of Christ. Let me illustrate this with a symbol. A type is a historical event that prophesies about Christ. That's a type, okay? A symbol is um, something that illustrates, like a metaphor for Christ, like a lamb or a lion, okay? So water is a symbol of what? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, okay? Someone show me in Scripture what day water was created. Huh? What did you say? Show me in Scripture what day water was created. It was already there. there. It was there. It was just separated. It's there. Water in Scripture is eternal. Now, is H2O uncreated? No. No, it's a symbol. Right. So, God spoke about water in a way that left it eternal. So He can use that as a symbol of Himself, as the Holy Spirit as water, eternal. So there's no, you know, and on the second day, God said, let there be wetness. He didn't say that. No. Right? He didn't. Okay? It's just there. Alright, so. This argument begins right with Abraham. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so Levi, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, right? Three generations after Abraham. The argument's going to say, and is saying, look, this priesthood is superior because the pater familias, <laughs> daddy Abraham, he gave his tithes to Melchizedek. And then he says, there's just no argument here. When it comes to blessing, a, a superior blesses an inferior. Okay? So, um, I'll, I'll use, God forbid I'm going to use the word secular. I'll use a secular example of this, okay? <laughs> I use a I use a business example of this or a human relations example of this. I think in the Navy they call it a sea daddy. If you're a Carrie's laughing, I don't <laughs> I don't know if Scott's laughing, but if, if if you're on officer course in the Navy, then higher ranking officers who are looking out for junior officers their sea daddy is making way for them. As the saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That may sound crass, but I'm telling you it's true. If you know Jesus, He'll make sure you get to know what you need to, when you need to. But you know... Thank you, Lord. Amen? You, you know the Creator of the heavens and the earth. I mean, that's connected. Okay? So... We, we have this expression inside of work where, um, let's say you're with a colleague, 
and the colleague is complaining to you about their pay, okay, and you are peers in the job. Why are you complaining to me? I can't do anything about it. I can't increase your wages. I can't increase your position. Who can do that? Your boss. The boss, a superior, can give a raise. But you know, I mean, I can't. I, I never walked it to my boss and said, you know what, uh, chief, you've been doing such a great job. I think you should take another two thousand dollars a month. You know, just tell them I said so. It not work, does it? No. It's without controversy. The less is blessed by the greater. At work we say, why did you complain to your peer for a month if you had told me I could have done something about it? I could have done something about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk to somebody who could do something about it. Or, as we say, you are barking up the wrong, the wrong tree. Okay? So, I mean, these, these are, this is not just theology, this is, this is life, right? And, and the reason all that works is because God set it all up. Okay? Human patronage is just a pale representation of God blessing, of favor. Of favor. Well, you know, you got the job because your parents and the boss's parents are friends. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's actually how it kind of worked out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah. You still, you still might have to do the job. Of course. There you go. You still got to do the job, but there's nothing wrong with the door opening, right? And nothing wrong. And God opens doors. That's what favor does. Favor prospers your journey. To bless is to set somebody on a prosperous path, to have them increase, to make them better. To better you. God does that. Jesus does that. So, I was meditating. And I was thinking, okay. The point here, and, and Andrew Murray makes this point, uh, Lightfoot makes this point, is that the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. And Melchizedek is a type of Christ, which means that what? Christ is what? Greater than Abraham. How do you suppose that debate would have gone on in real life? You know, a debate like, say, if Jesus of Nazareth was with his contemporaries, and they were sitting around in a forum, and he said, well, I'm greater than Abraham. How do you think that would go? Candleless well. heresy. Let's uh, put him at the stake. Would, would you like to be a fly on the wall? Not too well. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to be a fly on the wall in that conversation to see how that debate, that theology breaks out? He tried to stone him. He had to disappear. Oh, wait a minute. We do have the wood. Yeah, John 8. Why, why this actually happened? Let's be flies on the wall real quick. John chapter 8. Oh, there's Calvin. Ta-da! Alright, Calvin. Sorry, Calvin, I don't know how long you've been waiting. I just uh, stuck home. Okay, alright, we're in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. 
I'm going to eat while I'm listening. Okay, eat while you're listening, but you have to mute your phone so we don't hear you chewing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John chapter 8. And the entire chapter is like, wow. But we're going to start in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed on Him, If you abide in My word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now this is not, you know, abiding in the Word where we're... Part of it, part of abiding in truth is reading it. Part of abiding in truth is meditating on it. Part of abiding in truth is memorizing it. But abiding in truth is to live in truth, to live truth out. To do it. To do it. You know, it, the, the, the wise man is the one who hears my words and does them. It's in the doing of his words that you're set free. It's not in the memorizing of the words. It's in the doing of the words that you are set free from the captivity of sin. They answered him. So these are the hecklers in the crowd. They answer him and they say, Well, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay, are you for real there? I mean... Uh, this this is this is this is like protesters <laughs> arguing with no sense of history. You know, have you read your Torah? Uh, did you did you celebrate Passover last year? What's that about? You were never enslaved by anyone. Well, we personally were. We're children of Abraham. <laughs> All right. How can you say we come free? Eight thirty four. Jesus answered them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin." The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Here's the thing. Melchizedek is a, is a priest that remains, right? We read in Hebrews that verse 8, Here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Okay? So it's witnessed of Melchizedek that he lives. So in, in the narrative of Scripture, that's a forever act. Abraham is giving tithes to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek doesn't die. Because there's no death date for him in Scripture. Does that make sense? So here, Jesus says, slaves don't remain in the house. But the son, he stays in the house forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now look at the difference. Look at the difference in relationship. He's talking to sons of the devil. He's talking to wicked men. And the comparison is, I do what I see my father do. The Okay, does what my father does, what my father do. You get it? You do what you hear, what you hear, what you hear. That's the serpent. The serpent's way is mostly auditory. Auditory. You gotta be real committed to get visionary from the serpent. Okay? Your eyes 
your ocular nervous part of your system occupies a lot of your brain. A lot of your brain. God does speak to you, and you can hear from God and the whole. But God, the Father, demonstrates for us as children what He does. God reigns on the just and the unjust. Right? We're supposed to be forgiving. So we can be like our children in heaven. Calvin, is that dog in your neighborhood? Can you hear him? Yeah, I can hear him. Hey, you, you gotta mute you gotta mute your mic on the meat app. Okay. I, I was worried you were hearing me cheering these chips. What yeah, no. I can hear the dog. Chips are not but if, if you mute your mic, then you can hear me, and and then we don't hear the dog. All right, this is fun. So, I speak what I have seen with my father. So I have seen with my father, right? You, what you've heard with from your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Abraham recognized truth. This is why he gave tithes to Melchizedek. He didn't give tithes to the high priest of Moloch. He didn't give tithes to the high priest of Baal. He gave tithes to the priest of God Most High. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace. Okay? You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we, we're, we're not born of sexual immorality. We're not, you know, we're not born of fornication. It, which, in essence, they just called him a bastard. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear, you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. They had subsumed their will. Take that back. They had engaged their will to accomplish what their father wanted done. See, being bound to sin is one thing. Being wicked is another. Amen. And you need to understand that, that there are people in this earth who are intentionally wicked. There are people who, you know, there are drunks. And then there are people who sell alcohol. There are, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, in, in, in terms of, there are drug addicts. And then there are drug pushers. The pusher is wicked. The addict is bound in sin. You understand? So, these had engaged their will to accomplish the devil's desire. And that doesn't gross you out. I don't know who can. Okay? <clears throat> he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out, his own, out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, he has fallen to the degree... See, God cannot lie. Why? He's truth. 
It's a matter of identity. You will be exposed to all forms of entertainment and literature. And, and if, you, if you don't think you have already, it, you just, you're just not paying attention. That will try to um, paint the devil character in a forgiving light. He's misunderstood. He's, uh, you know, a, what's, uh, there's a particular word I'm looking for there. Um, but there's nothing good in him. There's no truth in him. All he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. Any promise he makes, its end result is to kill you. Anything he gives you, its end result is to enslave you. Anything he provides, its end result is to destroy you. There is no good, honorable, truthful intention in the devil at all, ever. He lies out of his own character. His own spirit is a lie. That's, that's what he has become. Okay? <clears throat> What's Jesus talking? He is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You're crazy and demonized. Not that crazy and demonized. You're, well, you're a Samaritan <laughs> and demonized. <laughs> and I'm not sure which one they thought was worse. Okay. <laughs> you know, the Samaritan part or the demonized part. <laughs> but they're throwing down some insults. So, so far, mark them up. They, they've called him a bastard. Now they've called him a Samaritan. We have a word for that in our culture. It's the N-word. So, uh, these Jews just called Jesus the S-word. Okay? Samaritan. That's Samaritan. Alright? Um, and, and then they said he was demonized. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. <laughs> I do not have a demon. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> see those pigs over there? Um, I conflict stories. I apologize. Is that where I get it from? But I honor my father and you dishonor me. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. I tell you what, if you're having problems with spiritual oppression, and we all walk through it, if we're not paying attention, but if, if, if you're having a problem with a demon, there's a place in your life where you are not honoring God. It's as simple as that. You honor God. I have not a demon. <laughs> Amen? <clears throat> Verse 50, Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham. Wow! We are now in Hebrews chapter 7, except that we're in John chapter 8. Jesus had this conversation. Now, there's a school of thought that says, now many ascribe Hebrews to Paul, 
And basically they say that Paul jumped on this new branch of Judaism and transformed it into some Greek thing, and it has nothing to do with the historical Jesus, which is just a lie from the devil. Yeah, all scriptures, all scriptures yeah. given by inspiration of given God. Given by inspiration of God, yeah. Right. Right. So, um, the writer of Hebrews is just following along with the theology of Jesus of Nazareth. Okay? Are you greater than Abraham? Who died and the prof and the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you make yourself out to be? They might better ask you, who are you? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> so this is this is part of look, we have the blessing and wonder of believing in the one whom we have not seen. And trust me, it's a blessing. You know. God took Abraham out and showed him the stars of the sky, the belt of the Milky Way, and said, your kids, count that, you can count your kids. And Abraham said, I believe that. A created man standing in a created place looking at the creation that God talked to him about, and he went, I believe that. And God said, you're in a right relationship with me. You're righteous. You took me at my word. You're righteous. Jesus' disciples and contemporaries had to deal with the cognitive dissonance of looking at a human being that looked like them, smelled like them, dressed like them. Went to the bathroom. Yeah. Had, had a mother, had a father, had, had, um, had brothers and sisters who they knew came from a hometown who sat in front of them and said, well, here he says, before Abraham was, I am. As in, what's your name, God? I am that I am. Okay? Now, we don't have that wonder. But trust me, if you were back there, you would have to get over that. What do we get over? We got told about someone we've never seen off of pages of a book that we happened to read or hear about, and we went, oh, I believe that. And God goes, Yay! Party time! All the angels get together, they get candles, they just, I mean, they just rip it up up there. They have a great, great time. They're like, woohoo! You know, and, and, and what do we do? I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just so crow. I'm a crumb. I just don't do what God wants. The greatest part is after we say we believe that and get in the Word, God starts to speak to us. We, 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 are, we are launching from a place of acceptance and love. We're not working to find our way there. Mm -hmm. that, that's the difference. You know, the great part about this faith thing is that we can take any promise in God because we believe in because it's God's Word, any, any promise in God that's, and we can take that for our own. No pestilence can come near me or harm me in any way. You can take that, and I can't catch right, the, a virus. I can't catch it, you know. Now, if I if I believe that, I can't catch it. But if I start doubting, well, that's another matter. But you know what? I have that faith. I can't catch it, and it doesn't matter what you know. And that, and and the whole world is wandering around in fear that they're going to catch the virus and die. You know, I'm not, you know, I mean, a majority of the world, and 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 uh, and Christians. You know, and they don't have to. All they got to do is start take a take a verse of scripture that they're worried about, 
and, and say it and speak it and believe it and and they have what they believed. Amen. Amen. For the younger people, for the younger children, people in this room. That's, that's all of us, Eddie. The children. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's so very important not to get mixed up with the occult at all. And that means just watching Harry Potter on television. Do not watch that stuff. Do not put that, do not allow that stuff because it, it doesn't take very much of it. And pretty soon a demon will be talking to you. I, I mean, it's real important. I never. I would like to watch it because it would be interesting, but I never watch Harry Potter. I never watch any of that stuff because I know the danger of it. And I'm old enough to say, oh, I can handle that, but I know I couldn't. I, I know it would be a chink in my armor. And you know what? It, I'm, I'm just speaking to younger people. Just stay away from anything like that, Ouija board, any of that stuff. You, you're opening yourself up to, to demon spirits. You, you literally open yourself up where they come into your life. Lying. If, you, if, a, person, if a person lies and, and lies a lot, that's how a spirit of lying comes in where you can't stop from lying. They just come in. They can't come in and attack you. They can't come in and make you lie if, if you aren't doing something wrong to begin with and they just slide in there and then all of a sudden you can't stop. Eddie, I appreciate your analogy in talking about putting a chink in your armor. God's Word tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And you're saying these are things that we can do, though, that start putting chinks in the armor, right? Absolutely. I mean, but maybe the young people, some of them haven't been, they say, oh, well, it's okay. I'm a Christian, and I, I know it's okay, but it would be interesting to watch some of this, you know, because, you know, they make it interesting. I mean, I think they do. I haven't watched it. but you know. to get you into it. No. I, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's just us having church. All right. So, verse 54 of, of John 8. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. <laughs> so the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham. You know? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, I do have a major rabbit trail for that, but I'm not going to share it. Um, but they, uh, the stones were available because uh, apparently through the historical record, they were doing some work in the temple. He's teaching in the temple. They're taking, you know, chip stones from the temple to, well, stone the king priest of the temple. Right? And he hid himself. Um, which is, uh, it's the Greek word from which we get uh, uh, cryptology, you know, crypto. He, he was hidden. He like kind of faded into the crowd. So, you know, uh, a, a back project of mine in, in the back of my head is espionage Bible style, but Jesus is a master uh, intelligence operative. I mean, 
just a master intelligence operative. And he'd go in and, and, and just stand his ground, make this huge hoopla scene, then he just disappears, like a thriller. You know, and they're like, ah! where'd he go, where'd he go, where'd he go? And they can't find it, and he just walks right through the middle of them. Nick, wasn't there another instance when they were going to throw him off the cliff? And he yeah, and Nazareth, they're going to throw him off the cliff, and, and, and he, he went out, so he hit himself. All right, so I will digress on this since, since we're there. Um, on a side note, it's not required of the Christian to seek out persecution and get killed. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, when they persecute you in a city, flee, run away, go away to another city. What are you, stupid? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, what are you, stupid? But he, he said, run. He didn't say, stand there and take it. Unless he says, stand there and take it. See? It's all about the relationship. It wasn't his time. There was a time for him to stand there and take it. So there, there were multiple times where they tried to take him and kill him. It wasn't his time yet. But when it was his time, he made sure everybody knew that they weren't taking him. He was giving himself up. Okay? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, honey. Huh? Good word, honey. Yeah, it wasn't taken. It was given. Amen. Amen. So, back into to, uh, Hebrews chapter 7. And we'll wrap this, this up real quick. Um, I'm back in the King James. I was reading out of the ESV. This is the King James. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. You know, so Christ lives forever. The blessing of Abraham. The work of your high priest to intercede with, for you in the power of an endless life is to bless you. Jesus is continually blessing you. The Aaronic priesthood, the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine, to shine upon you. Let's read it. This is Numbers chapter 6. Okay? So, look at the relationship in this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. We're talking about the Levitical priesthood. Okay? Saying, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, Thou shalt not? No, it's a blessing. <laughs> Thou shalt... The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you shalom. Shalom, we say peace, but shalom is... Uh, probably the closest thing we get to it in in um, in the New Testament is is the word for peace wrapped with um, sozo wholeness. Shalom is is this this wholeness, this this whole encompassing in peace blessedness. And then he says, "So shall you put my name on them." Okay, so this is a. Uh, this is an ex. So that is Numbers chapter six, and verses twenty-two through twenty-six, and verse twenty-seven says, "So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them." So the priest's duty, as an intercessor between God Almighty and humankind, is to utilize Yahweh's name 
to engage blessing. I am putting my name. Now, we think name, like if I put my name, I'm going to put my name on Gideon. So in Western culture, we think of putting my name on Gideon would be like a tattoo or something, right? You know, what's that? It's my dad's name. Why is that on your arm? Well, he, he said he wanted to put his name on me, you know, Larry on or <laughs> Okay? But name is character in the Bible. Name is character. So when we say in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not a magic formula. We're saying in the in we are it's a saying that indicates that we are in the authority of all who Jesus is. And all He's given us. God's name on you. Bless you. Keep you. Look at you. Cause my face to shine on you. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Glory is the shine. If I make my face red and, and, and try to shine out, it's nothing. But if He shines on me and I reflect Him, then I'm glorified. Make His face to shine upon you. You carry God's name and all that He does for you. Blessing you. Looking at you. Being gracious to you. His favor. Okay? His favor upon and, and But this is... This is one, this is a subset of one family in the nation of Israel who is engaging this through a power word. This is important. I'm, I'm going to get on. No, I'm going to do that. But anyhow, let's, words are important. In other words, the Levites didn't stand there and bless the people by, you know, now with bowed heads and folded hands, quietly in the altar of your heart, speak a blessing on your spouse. <laughs> Are you blessed, honey? I just blessed you. <laughs> okay? So, where's, where's Belle? Belle, what, 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 what's one of the instructions that you give when, when um, a woman's being assaulted or, 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 or facing an assault? Stop! Get back! Yeah. You get loud. Wow. Yeah. Right? You, well, you I, get verbal. I like your first impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that works too, but, you know. Attack, attack, right? Yeah. Look, they said it out loud to put it on. So the words are important. But again, all this is really external. God authorized Aaron and his sons to use his name and proclaim a vehicle of blessing and prosperity onto the, name, onto the children of Israel by putting his name on them, right? Now, look what you get. Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. That's the Gospel. The Gospel's blessing. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Okay? And I read you the accounts where the Lord blessed him directly. That was in 15. You heard it in 12. It's in 22. But in the middle of all that, there is this king of righteousness, this king of peace, who blesses Abraham. Because the lesser is blessed by the superior. 
For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, where it is written, Cursed is everyone that, commit, that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. The law isn't... The, 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 okay. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did He do that? Why did He become a curse for us? Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. The blessing of Abraham is the continual abiding of the Holy Spirit of God in you, His grace in you, His shine in you. His presence in you. Hallelujah. His name in you. It is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Amen. Amen. He is greater than Abraham. He is greater than the law. He lives an endless life. The high king priest in heaven continually at work pouring out God's favor into your life. Boy, do we have a good gig or what? Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.